It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Happy Monday, kids. Uh, welcome to Just a Game. I would be your host, me, Bob Kerr. You are you. You know who you are. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Our outstanding producer, Jack, is at Control uh, Central today. He will take care of all the buttons, the videos, and our guest. Uh, speaking of which, really excited. Um, been wanting to have him on for a while. Uh, still remains uh, wildly popular here, and he's a really good friend. Uh, our old pal, Jermaine Franklin from TSN is going to join us. Uh, of course, one of the hosts of Sports Center now and longtime bureau chief here in Calgary. So he will stop by. And there's a lot, obviously, to pick. Uh, on uh, with Jermaine on his on what's on his dance card because uh, with the Sports Center gig and being in Toronto, he's he's got his pulse or his fingers on the pulse of everything. And you've got the Jays making the playoffs and playing the Twins, best of three there in the wild card. Uh, the Raptors are uh, starting camp here today, a uh, week after essentially losing out on the Damian Lillard sweepstakes. Uh, they were rumored to be the the destination of choice for about a half hour uh, before he went to Milwaukee. Uh, obviously, our old pal Brad Treliving is the general manager in Toronto, and he still uh, he still has an affinity and pays attention to what's going on in Calgary, so we will talk to him about that. Um, this is the first of our, I guess, first week back for us in terms of our winter hockey schedule. So we have shows now Monday, Wednesday, Friday, moving forward. Um Peter Marr will join us this Wednesday. He returns to his uh, every second Wednesday rotation. Uh, and Eric DeHatchek on Friday is every second Friday uh, rotation from The Athletic. No show next Monday because of Thanksgiving. And then uh, really excited. Uh, she was just recently named the head coach of the uh, Ottawa team in the new Professional Women's Hockey League. Uh, Carla McLeod will join us. So that's what it looks like here over the next little while. Um, reminder, we are an inclusive program. Everybody is welcome here. Um, glad to have you. We are allies uh, broadcasting live from uh, Treaty 7 territory. Um, very excited that uh, I spent a little time with our old friend, uh, um, Brent Dodging Horse, on the weekend. He was at the same event I was on Saturday night, got a chance to check in with Dodger, and he's, he's doing really well and doing some really good work, some really important work. Uh, so very excited about that. Um, Friday's show was was difficult for many reasons. I appreciate everybody's uh, uh, patience on that uh, as we re revisited our conversation with Kelsey Snow. And, of course, uh, we did say goodbye to Chris 
on the weekend, uh, but not before he saved lives, not before he uh, donated his organs, uh, kidneys and lungs, amongst other things. Uh, those were taken and, and used in life, uh, life-giving procedures. So um, he found a way, even right up to the bitter end, to make this a better place and to make us a better community. So uh, again, um, just recognize his family and uh, his friends and and everybody that's going through, um, you know, the, the, the pains of, of saying goodbye and, and losing this great man. So um, with that said, he would want us to move forward. So we will move forward. Um, reminder you can always uh pop in a question or a comment uh we will get jack to read some of them out before the end of the show uh the flames are in action tonight taking on winnipeg uh the jets have something going through the dressing room so no shifley tonight no baron tonight both of those players i uh, think were originally listed on the rosters but i don't uh they won't be here um the roster for calgary though and that's where i would focus this is probably as close to the opening day rosters we might may I, I'm not sure what they're going to travel to Edmonton or Vancouver or, or you know any of the remaining games that they have uh, but at least for a home crowd Jacob Markstrom will get the start um, the blue line sees a lot of <clears throat> you know familiar names um, but up front your top end guys and Dryden Hunt seems to be the the, the guy that everybody's kind of keying in on right now uh, acquired last year in a, in a small trade with the Toronto Maple Leafs had some time uh, in the NHL prior, but never got any last year with the flames, uh, but has had a good camp and Ryan Huska has praised him. Um, so if you look at your forward combinations, uh, not difficult to, to squint and see this is perhaps your opening day roster. Um, not to suggest that there won't be some, you know, extra bodies around. I, I imagine they'll be carrying 22. Um, that third line of Coronado, Sharon Govich, and Backland is intriguing to me. Um, very intriguing to me about what the potential is there. And and Adam Ruzichkas remains on the uh, left side up with Kadri and Dubé. We saw that earlier in camp. I uh, believe we had a question about it, actually. You know, why... Why put him there? And and I do believe that Ruzichka is really being given a lot of opportunity to and a you know lot of an, a chance to make this club. Uh, you know we know what he can do. We know he can play at this level, but can he produce at this level? Um, it's funny because uh, I do want to say with the Flames, but I'd be remiss if we didn't make a comparison because tonight Washington will skate with a lineup that features a former uh, Wrangler slash flame in a very prominent position. And I won't be, I won't lie to anybody. I've been trying to pay attention to what's going on with the caps. And there he is, Matty Phillips skating on the right side with Backstrom and Ovechkin. Um, now Mitch love the, his coaching in with the Wranglers is an assistant there as well for Carberry. Um, and I'm sure he's, being given the advice that, you know, you got to play Phillips with skilled players. I don't know if you're going to get more skilled players than those two. So we're seeing, uh, you know, former flame property and a current flame property being given real opportunities to show what they can do. Um, and yeah, we'll see the, 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 the Winnipeg lineup, I, again, 
for the Flames tonight was good, but with the flu going through or the bug going through or whatever's going through that room, they're they're losing some bodies. Um, if you didn't catch it, the return of uh, DFO uh, with Frank Saravelli and, and Frank returned to the barn burner today. Um, do want to play a little clip from the show because he's he was able to drop in a little local information that I think got everybody talking. It's a better than 50% shot, actually significantly better, that the Flames have Elias Lindholm locked up before opening night. Before opening night? So in a week? Yes. They're trying hard to get that done. I think Hannafin is a long, long shot. And here's what I'll say about the rest of the team. First off, it's incredibly motivating, as you mentioned, to have a good contract year. You put the onus on the player to go out and perform. But two, I really like that there's flexibility on what I'll call the off chance that what happens if things are shit this year? Do you want 17 guys locked up for the future or do you want an ability to reshape and remold things? I don't think it's a bad thing having a bunch of guys that are up. So then are you okay with them going and getting Lindholm? If they're bad and they've locked Lindholm until he's 36, that feels like nightmare fuel. It could be, but I also think really good players are hard to find and acquire, and you keep you try and keep the ones that you can. I don't have a problem with keeping Lindholm until he's 36. I think he'll be a very good defense. You know, he's in that same mold. I think he's going to give you very quality minutes, even in his mid, mid-30s. Why are you it's- laughing, though? I'm just, if, if I don't want him making nine, $10 million. It's what, are, what's the number you're comfortable with? I don't know. And it, we've had God, Fred, we've had this comfort would come from not having the other guys at that age for that long. So there you go. Uh, a little, if you've never caught the barn burner, what's wrong with you? Uh, and I'm assuming a lot of you already have seen this, so this is just me replaying something you already saw. But for those who it is new to, uh, to me, the, the, the story here is that uh, Frank Saravelli, uh, our insider on the Nation Network from DFO, uh, suggesting better than 50% chance that uh, Lindholm will be signed, sealed, and delivered before the home opener, before the season opens, which is, what, next Wednesday? Yeah, so uh, eight, nine days from now. Um, I leave it to the barn burner guys to really dig deep into the minutiae. I think there's lots of people um, that will dig deep into the minutiae about who you, what you should pay and who you should pay it to. I agree wholeheartedly with Frank that um, good players are hard to find. Um, so I, I have no problem with Lindholm. I understand what Boomer's saying, but I think we also would recognize that there's a good chance within two years the salary cap is going up. Um, ten million dollars, and I would suggest that the new Austin Matthews deal um, indicates that the the double digit barrier of ten million dollars is now up to thirteen million dollars, and I would suspect we're going to see a fifteen million dollar player here real soon. Um, not a hundred percent sure, but Drysital and McDavid are going to need new contracts. Uh, which means the old $8 million, con- again, it's the law of diminishing returns. I get it. You don't want a 36-year-old who's making $8 million, but that's what this league has become. Um, you know, 
we are fascinated by the rebuild here in Calgary. Lots of people are. I understand it. Um, never really done it. I don't. I don't. I think there's been bad clubs here, but you know, well chronicled. And, and I've talked at nauseum about the fact that teams never drafted higher than fourth. Never had a first overall pick. Um, the team to the north here had four and six years or five years or whatever it was. Um, you know, and are living off the avails of a generational player that they really didn't have to scout. He just fell in their lap. Um, and, and that's the way the system set up. Um, but for some reason we are fascinated by rebuilds and, and we want to do rebuilds and I get it. Um, to me, this team underachieved last year and should have rather high expectations of it. It's, 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 you know, it's what we do, right? I mean, it's, it's the preseason. Everything feels rosy. Everything feels great. Um, Friday was a little bit of cold water, I thought. You know, Friday was a, a game against an Edmonton team that um, didn't show much in terms of uh, paper experience or, you know, there wasn't much on that uh, on that roster that made you go, geez, you know, we're, there's no McDay. There was none of the big guys. They played hard. You know, they're fighting for jobs. Calgary outshot them but couldn't beat Jack Campbell. And lousy 100 seconds left in the game they end up getting tied they lose it in overtime um you know we talked at the beginning of the preseason about a 10 nothing win over um vancouver and and i think it was a week ago we were having that conversation and you know i don't didn't care about the result didn't but said at the time that if you lose that game it's a different conversation you lost the game against i i, I think they've had a good camp it's been an okay camp and everybody who's visited, Frank included, talks about the vibe. And everybody that's at practice talks about the vibe. And right now is everybody talking about the vibe. But what is the expectation? Oh, it should be a playoff team. It should be a playoff team. Yeah, it should be a playoff team. And if you're going to sign Lindholm, it should be a playoff team for the next couple of years. And that means the likes of Rasmus Anderson have to take another step. That means that a Sharon Govich needs to work out, that a Coronado needs to find his way, that a Pelche needs to come back healthy and ready to go. And probably means that you need to hit on a, a, Pel, a Poirier or somebody like that. And it means that, that Markstrom needs to... Um, to bounce back and have that season and Wolf needs to find room or Vladar needs to find room. Um, so I, it's training camp. It is training camp. It, despite the fact this will be the best roster, the flames iced in the training camp likely, and probably as close to um, the opening day rosters, it won't play like the opening day roster. That's not how it works. Just way too many games right now in the preseason. Cut it down to two or three. But anyway, um, just wanted to play that piece from Frank. So if uh, you are a Flames watcher, I think that would be you know, probably, for some of you, good news. And for others, you probably pulling your hair out. A um, couple of NHL notes I want to get to. Uh, Brandon Sutter retired. He was on a PTO with Edmonton, uh, met with the general manager, the coach, the trainer, and just said, not, not feeling it. You know, I'm not going to finish the PTO. He's going to retire. So Brandon Sutter um, calls it a career. Uh, very effective in Carolina and uh, Pittsburgh and and later on had a, some decent time with Vancouver. But long COVID really uh, did in his career in the end. Um, we've talked a little bit about the Anaheim Ducks and the work that they have to do. Uh, Trevor Zegras 
uh, signed a three-year extension today. Uh, he will get a big pay, assuming he continues to develop the way that he is going to uh, or has pointed in the direction that he will. He will get a very big payday somewhere down the road. Um, so uh, lots of, you know, nibbling around the edges, lots of little stories. We talked about Matt Phillips getting an opportunity on the top line. Um, let's go to the NFL. So much to talk about with the NFL. And I, uh, I, I credit Jack for this, um, that I was just, I'm all swifted out. Um, it, it's so much. But you cannot underestimate the impact that Taylor Swift in two, well, and, and really, that, by the way, that that's the NFL. Is that their, what is that? That is their Twitter. Their, okay, so that's their Twitter image, right? Yeah. Their, their profile. Their header. Their header, thank you. There you go. There's the terminology. Um, that's the biggest pro league in North America, arguably the biggest pro sport league in the entire world. And yet they have to leave their product, feel value in leaving their product and promoting this international superstar, which she is. She's, you know, say what she will. She's this generation's version of the Beatles or, or whatever you want to do. You two, whoever you want to compare her to. Is there a bigger pop star in the world right now? No. And the biggest sport in the world. Sorry, that's wrong because we all know it's soccer, but the biggest sports league in North America, let's go with that one. Everybody seems to agree on that. Um, sees benefit in tying their image to her. That that just gives you a sense of how big it is. Um, the television numbers, the merchandise numbers, um, the impact that she has had on the NFL in just, again, essentially eight days has been remarkable. Um, frustrating for those of us who are there for the, you know, just there for the product. Uh, last night, the Jets and the and the Chiefs were a primetime game. And credit to the Jets. They they I thought at one point they might be pulling it out. They didn't. But they, uh, as we were, Jack and I were talking about, it's a whole bunch of gamblers today who aren't happy. Um, but the Jets made it, you know, made it a close game. And, and maybe that allowed them to focus less on Taylor Swift. And you're saying, but Rob, I watched the game. It seemed, I know, every... Break every you know segment seemed to revolve or have some sort of connection, but ultimately these sports, all of them, and what we're learning is the NFL is no different. Need future fan development. They need eyeballs beyond their own base. And as big a league as the NFL is, and as as a as such a monstrosity that it is when it comes to monopolizing sports talk radio or you know television or whatever it still sees fit and value of going after her base of Swifties. Is that what we call them? Thank you. Okay. They're Swifties. All right. Um, what I really wanted to show you when it came to future fan development was the other thing that happened in the NFL yesterday. And I don't think we saw it here. I think again, this was just South of the border, uh, but Jacksonville and Atlanta played over in London and the NFL took the opportunity to second stream this game as a Toy Story game. So, Jack, you want to share a little of that video? 
Panthers as they flip the field. Now, let's tell you what a punt is. Why would a team give the football away on purpose? Well, it's for field position purposes. Hang time is what you call it for how long the ball stays in the air. The longer it's in the air, the tougher it's going to be on that punt returner because it gives the punt coverage team more time to So this was one of seven pre-built uh, rules videos that so they're teaching kids about football do you have the other one uh yeah okay so this is what it this is what gameplay looked like so yeah um i thought this was cool so at the top is the real stuff and at the bottom is the toy story version of this and this actually if you kind of think about it is really brilliant because this game was an early game and when i was a kid you're always up on saturday and sunday morning watching television um they get an opportunity to see this game converted into the Toy Story world. Um, we talked about this with the NHL. The NHL did a version of this last year, but it used a Disney Channel show, which honestly I had never heard of, but didn't matter. It wasn't aimed at me. It was aimed at kids. Toy Story is a pretty big franchise. Like that's a big deal. There's the difference between, um, you know, the NHL and the NFL, like the NHL gets a Disney channel version, the NFL game. But I think this stuff is huge for future fan development. I think this is the way if you want kids to grow up, kids don't, kids aren't connected to sport in the same way they were when I was a kid. Um, it's just aren't automatically going to be fans of teams and fans of leagues and things like that. You have to go out and get them. Um, I can tell you that, you know, the Hitman Sunday afternoon game is critical. That's the first place where many kids in this city go to a hockey game at the Dome. That's their first opportunity. That's why you have the cheaper ticket. You give them that opportunity. But there needs to be so much more done. And I look at that and I go, wow, look at what the NFL is doing. And, you know, the Nickelodeon games, the slime games, they have, a, I believe, a highlight show on Nickelodeon now. So the NFL gets it. Other leagues, I, I think baseball needs to look at things like that. Um, there's always been, you know, little dabbles here and dabbles there. Um, Twib, I, I mean, you know, I grew up on this week in baseball with Mel Allen. Did you? No, you're too young. All right. <clears throat> but that was my entry point into baseball. It was part of a, a weekend programming on television. And now the difference between Twib and now is there was no internet. There was no social media. There were no viral videos. A, there was really, you know, there might have been a, a, a Blue Jay game and an Expos game, and, and maybe on one of the Spokane channels there might be a, you know, a, another game, a Dodgers game or a Mariners game, but you didn't see it all the time. So in, in many ways, Twib was this week in baseball was bringing you highlights that you wouldn't see. Uh, we've had to evolve, and this is that next generation. I love it. I I I congratulate the NFL on it. Uh, I hope we get it. Audiences up here. I hope we can do it on a more regular basis. I think as AI and technology grows, I think the price points come down. I think the ability to do this type of thing comes down. Um, but you know, I, I again keep he actually should do the show. I should produce for Jack because I said I'm gonna show this, you know, this future fan development stuff. This is great. And he goes, Well, what about Taylor Swift? And I'm like, ah, I don't want to talk about Taylor Swift. Everybody's talking about Taylor Swift, but you you have to. Just because of the impact that it's having, 
It's an incredible impact right now. And it's future fan development too, but it may not be kids. It may be audiences were not tuning in, female audience, whatever audience that was not tuning in. Uh, but Travis Kelsey's jersey sales are 400% up in one week. Television numbers are up. Um, it's it's made a huge difference. And uh, unfortunately, the problem with pro sports is that, uh, I'll give you an example, um, F1 drive to survive. What, what I, again, I, I talk about this all the time. One of the best innovations to save a league or a, a sport I've ever seen. F1 went from being unable to get money for television in North America to these incredible events now in Vegas and Miami and Austin and television deals and all of that sort of thing. Uh, because when did something different? Um, now I'm worried that, you know, Gary Bettman's going to send out an edict that he wants hockey players to find pop stars. It's that's not how this works. I, I just somewhat, I just somewhat, uh, just briefly staying with football, the Canadian brand, uh, tough weekend for Dave Dickinson and the Calgary Stampers. They go into Hamilton. They lose 22 to 15, uh, no playoffs this year. They're four and 11 right now. Top with Ottawa and Edmonton for the worst record in CFL. Um, and I, I say this almost knowing that I'm sure there was a, a bad year in the 90s, but man, the, the, there you can count on one hand the number of seasons in the last 50 years or so that both the Eskimos and the Stampeders in this in this province, you know, were were also Rams, were non-playoff teams. Like it's ridiculous. Uh, both teams are, are are terrible. Although I think in Edmonton right now, their wins have come later in the season and they're, they're scoring. Uh, Calgary continues to struggle to score. Uh, I think when you're scoring, uh, it, it tends to mask things. Um, speaking of entertainment, the halftime uh, show for Grey Cup was announced. Green Day. Green Day is your halftime show at the Grey Cup. I think, and I'm going to call on Jack on this. I think this is a little bit of a red herring. I think Green Day is a great announcement for people my age because we know who they are. We don't necessarily listen to them, but we know who Green Day is, and, and we go, well, the kids will love it. When's the last time Green Day was, you know, they're still like. Yeah, you want my honest opinion? Yes. I could. Could care less. Okay, that's what I worried about. <laughs> I I think yeah I think yeah, I, it's a nice try. I like it. Uh, I hope people react to it. Um, but Green Day is your headliners. Um, the other kind of football, uh, the Cavalry at home beating Winnipeg, or if you like the Valor two one this weekend. Uh, they will host Pacific next week. Um, they have already won the regular season. We know that they won four straight, ten points clear of uh, the second place team in the table right now. Uh, hard to believe that we won't get an announcement that Tommy Wielden Jr. isn't manager of the month um, coming up here um, very soon. And into baseball, we go with the end of the regular season. The Jays find themselves in a playoff spot. We nip and tuck till the end. Um, 89 and 73 is the record of the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, technically, they are on the road, not technically, they're on the road. Technically, they would be the, you know, 
the team that shouldn't have a great chance because, you know, they have to play away from their, their home stadium. But Minnesota's 87 and 75, and most people believe that Minnesota is the most vulnerable of the teams heading into the postseason. I do remind people that it wasn't that long ago that Atlanta was uh, not considered great. Uh, when they won a couple of years, uh, they made uh, a bunch of changes. The trade deadline, Alex Anthopoulos was incredibly busy. And people, why is he blowing it up? They won uh, last year. Would Philadelphia won? I believe didn't Philly just squeak in? They had a terrible record too. Not terrible is the wrong word, but they they weren't the best team in baseball going in. So it's a winnable pro- proposition, at least around. Uh, starts tomorrow in the afternoon in Minnesota, Wednesday, and then if necessary, Thursday. So we we should know pretty quick. Um, there's the split. Uh, Blue Jays have had success at Target Field this year, um, winning two or three. And then, of course, you know, Minnesota hasn't won a playoff game since 2014. So they've got that going for them. Rob, before we get to Jermaine, I want to get your opinion on this. Sure. We talked about it at length this morning. The partying after the Jays locked the playoffs when when they got in. Yep. What what are your thoughts on that? Okay. And actually, I'll, I'll, yeah, when we get our guest on, I'll, I'll talk about it too. So there you go there. And help me out with this one. They didn't win the game. They backed in, right? So this is after another team eliminated or beat Seattle. Is that right? Yes. I think that's what happened. Was it the Rangers beat Seattle? Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then they're partying like they've. Well, it's, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to defend it this way, Jack. Uh, the same way I defend pushing for a playoff spot, particularly in baseball. I don't, I don't think it's quite the same way in hockey, although with 32 teams, it certainly is. Um, I think it's so hard to win. I think it's so infrequent that you win that whether we like it from the outside, we have the ability on the outside to say, well, that's, you know, they shouldn't do that. This is what these guys do. They're the ones that have, you know, grinded it out for 180 days or whatever, but 162 games uh, have at her. I think that's the one thing that is has is debated ad nauseum and is as criticized ad nauseum is is joy. There should be some joy in this, and they are going to the postseason. The Red Sox, the Yankees, are not. Th- there needs to be some value in that. Um, and I, I really believe that, um, you know, NHL, NBA, having worked on the inside with teams, maybe I'm jaded. Maybe I see the business part of this, but I also know it's really hard to win and it's really important to win. So if you're in have at her, um, it's not for me. Like, I, I know it's public and everything like that. But at the end of the day, if they did that behind closed doors and nobody saw it, no harm, no foul. But we want to see everything, right? We want access to our teams. And, um, yeah, I, I just don't get bent out of shape about it. I, I, I can see, you know, the guys on the barn burner, you know, laughing at, at it and, and that type of thing. But, man, we sure don't allow for much joy in sports, do we? No, we don't. Really don't. That was Ryan's whole point too. Like these guys play so many games. And I think like for me as someone who's just like a 
casual MLB fan, you don't yeah. realize how much traveling, how many games these guys are playing. So it just kind of seems dumb. Like no other sports do it, but it is a long season. It is. And they and, play a lot of games. And there's probably some guys who here who've been on teams like Pittsburgh and other teams that there's, you know, week two of the season, the chances of, of playing in the postseason are already gone. Um, I had a grand total of three weeks with the Calgary Vipers traveling and doing games. Um, and I found that to be just so grinding that, that whole get up, get ready, go to BP, do a three hour game, go home, get up, get ready, grind. It is like, unlike anything I've ever seen. And, and if you said to me, Rob, you know, we will give you $500,000 to become the the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, but you got to do every game. I'm not 100 sure. I'm not, I'm not sure I take it. I, I just found the schedule to be the nice thing about hockey game, day off, game. You can do your preparation. You can want, but there was a stretch of like nine days in a row where we were traveling and came home and played games. And, and it was just for me, it was groundhog day. Now the Dan showmans of the world, the, the players, that's what they know, right? They know that rhythm. They have that rhythm. They're okay with that rhythm. Um, but as an outsider, I, I was just, taken aback by it so you know i see a picture like that and i i know i know but it, it uh, we just don't ever celebrate and here i am you know criticizing wins in the preseason and then i'm the same guy going no i'm okay with that because we don't have enough joy but i i i it comes up every year you know and now it's so organized right they have the glasses and they have the sheets up and everything it's not it's not natural right yeah. not not spontaneous sorry it's not spontaneous i guess is what i would say yeah, that's it's like it just seems so planned and like like you're saying it's not a spontaneous celebration. Like, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about it, but I do understand. Like these guys, it's a grind, right? Well, to to me, it's it, it it comes back to my aversion to rebuild, you know, and things like that. I know, I remember when the Jays in Alex Anthopoulos's time towards the end, you know, there was this segment of media and, and fans that didn't want them to make trades at the deadline. Everybody said, well, what do they need? They need this. And they got it. Uh, I remember when they had uh, uh, Drabeck's kid and some other prospects. I mean, they acquired Drabeck's kid, but uh, uh, you know, they had these prospects and, and they were valuing these pro people were valuing these prospects. Well, you can't get rid of them. You can't get rid of them. And Alex Anthopoulos went out that one year and he went and got, you know, some pitching and he went and got some bats and, and he loaded up and they got into the playoffs. And we all remember the bat flip against the Texas Rangers. And even the next year, it, it, there's value in that. Just not making the playoffs and the what could and what might be. And maybe if we do this and that, like, I, I understand that you have to have a plan and you have to have structure and things like that. But I always think we undervalue just getting in and, and being part of it that um, there's a, a commercial a business component to that. There's uh, you, you know, promotional components to that. There's all of these things that, that go into it. Um, you know, that, that the fan isn't responsible for having to care about 
fans not responsible for caring whether or not the team's profitable. The fans shouldn't be concerned about whether or not the you know ticket sales are on. That that's the fans' responsibility is to enjoy the product and follow the team and you know make those determinations. But you know, I I just think sometimes, especially in baseball, um, yeah, it, it, it's not for me. Like, I, again, it's not for me. It's for those players. I, I just don't think it's a public spectacle. You know, when you go into the Stanley Cup dressing room afterwards and you see that's that's everybody's getting a glimpse inside of that. Those those ones kind of feel like office parties to me. You know, like we, you wouldn't want to come to our office party, right? We wouldn't want to show the world our office party, but we want to have an office party. So anyway, that's uh, playoffs begin Toronto and Minnesota. Where is he? Like, honest to God, he's five minutes late. Come on, Franks. Holy cow. Did you send him a note? Uh, he did. Well, I was emailing him before, so he, he did see the link. Okay. Um, we may have to send him a Traffic, watch. I don't know. Yeah. Traffic, yes, traffic. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, it could be traffic. <laughs> uh, and we mentioned, too, um, the uh, wanted to thank uh, Century Downs this past weekend. Uh, barn burner guys were up there on Saturday. Um, weather wasn't great, but from what I gather, everybody had a great time and and uh, were treated royally. So really appreciate that. And my understanding is we got some more front facing public events coming up too, Jack, in the not so distant future. Yeah, we will be at Greta for the home opener. Okay. I believe is twenty dollars a ticket to get in. Uh, you get $30 for games and prizes, and I, there'll be some giveaways, uh, hoodies and other stuff as well. Cool. So, And they just go to the... I flames. think it's Greta's website slash events. Okay. And that's coming up next Wednesday, Next right? Wednesday, correct. Yep. Yep. Okay. So lots of things going on as we continue to uh, crank up into the, uh, the hockey season. As mentioned, this is uh, our first week back with... Um, three shows uh we're back on wednesday peter marr will join us uh our longtime voice of the calgary flames and our uh, friend uh has a lot to talk about obviously since the last time uh we spoke to pete and then on friday eric de from the athletic and again uh, eric has had a uh, a busy busy summer so we will continue uh to get in our favorites and i guess that's what we should do now as our guests are brought to you by Ski Cellar Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com, 76 years in Calgary. Two locations open right now, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center and Bow Ridge Road Northwest by the McDonald's over at the bottom of the hill by Windsport. Two more locations will open up once the snow starts to fly, and from what I gather, it's not going to be that long. So if you're looking for skis, if you're looking for snowboard, or if you're just looking for that expert piece of advice, that's why you go to Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. I uh, spent almost 15 years, if not more, as the uh, bureau chief here in Calgary before he decided to go home. God bless him. Uh, and is now a figure on TSN Sports Center program. You know him, you love him. First class, Jermaine Franklin, kind enough to join us this afternoon. My friend, how the heck are you? I'm doing all right. Took me a while to figure it out, but uh, you know me and technology, Robbie. Not the greatest, but great to see you. Weren't you and their family promoting technology for the source last year? <laughs> and we might be doing it again. You might be doing it again. So you might not want to be talking about that technology <laughs> piece with me. We might just want to keep that under our hats. Exactly, exactly. 
How are you? You're good. The family's good. Everybody's t- Toronto's treating you. Home's treating you good again. Yeah, home's treating us uh, really well. The family's doing really well. The kids are growing up way too fast. Both yep. uh, post secondary school. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's unbelievable how fast it goes. So has have have either one said I want to follow in Dad's footsteps? Is is that happening? <laughs> Funny you say that. My son, uh, he's like, he seems to have uh, some dulcet tones of his own. And uh, mm-hmm. he's going to he's going to college and uh, Mohawk College uh, for radio uh, oh. and uh, content building, of course. The, sure. The, um, it's a it's a two year program. So he's still young. He says he, he's he's probably going to go to school after going to school. So we'll see. But uh, I tried to talk him out of it, but he. He really wanted to to explore it. So so yeah, Sammy is definitely uh, following in my footsteps so far. <laughs> well, well, I love it. Just remind him that your friend Rob in in Calgary still has some pictures of him dressed up as Urkel for Halloween from uh, one of the Center Ice challenges. So that if he ever gets big, that one might surface in yeah. social. I appreciate that. I'm gonna have to pull that up. <laughs> um, lots to talk about. Uh, how, let's start here. How closely do you keep tabs on, on Calgary? Do you have that luxury or, I mean, cause you, you were here for so long and were influential in so many ways or, or, or does the job will even allow for that anymore? Um, I can't help but, uh, um, make sure I, I take a peek at what's going on in Calgary. It's just uh, human nature, um, uh, being there for so long. And yeah, you said, uh, 15 years, it was actually 17 years. Oh, 17 okay. Years I was in Cowtown, and uh, both kids obviously born there, grew up there. Um, it's 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 home away from home, that's for sure. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was a fun ride, that's for sure. But yeah, I I, uh, I I try and keep an eye on 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 things. Probably not as much as I used to, but um, uh, tough to see what the stamps are going through. <laughs> um, and of course, with the Flames. Uh, uh, First and foremost, and uh, top of mind at uh, the front of uh, is is Chris Snow, and yeah. and and his passing. It's um, you know actually, Robbie. I had to do a, um, a quick uh, quick obit, I guess is what they call it on on Sports Center the other night, and uh, I thought I I thought it I could get get through it, and I barely got through it. Um, mm. As soon as I saw. Uh, the names of of the family, and of course, I was prepared. But still, when you think about it, and when you you know um, just how hard Chris and and Kelsey and and Cohen and Willa fought and helped yeah. and uh, for their dad, um, Chris Snow, who who is a hero, um, it was tough. I I barely got through it, and the more and when I think about it. Um, and the things that uh, that he's done for for ALS um, and what he brought to the Flames organization overall, which I didn't work for the Flames, so I didn't truly understand. But when you see what the players and, and what management um, have been saying about him, um, yeah, it really it really hits home. And it, it, it's tough that he's not no longer with us. Yeah. And and. Because he's well, he's a little younger than me, but he's probably right around your age too, right? That that's that's another part of this is that that dealing with your own mortality, like yeah. it's easy to relate to the situation that that you know his 
his kids were, I mean, our kids are a little older now, but you know, Kelsey now finds herself and thank God she has this community rallying around her. Um, but there is, it does, it does show us a little bit of a mirror sometimes, doesn't it? Uh, it really does. It really does. And, and funny that you say that because, um, uh, even I'm a, I'm a touch older than, than Chris, but, uh, he was one of us, right, Robbie? Yep, like he was. Business. <laughs> so he told he totally knew where we were coming from and and why we had to ask certain questions uh, the way we did and and um, what we were trying to get at. And uh, yeah, he totally understood it. He was he was he was he was in the business. And um, yeah, so when you say Amir, it's 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 almost twofold when you think about Chris. Um, let's leave Calgary for a second. Oh, we'll come back. I, I do want to take advantage of having you here. You are in, in our, you know, our biggest media market with some of our biggest stories and, and storytellers. So I, I do want to pick your brain. And if you're all right, I'd like to ask you a few NBA questions. Um, you know, the, the Raptors are, are opening up camp and the, this camp's got a bit of a different feel to it, doesn't it? In the sense that no Fred Van Vliet and they were the glorious runner-ups last week in the Damian Lillard sweepstakes. Yeah. Um, wh what are they selling right now? Um, they're basically, I honestly think they're, I wouldn't say they're selling hope, but they're selling almost a promise of, of uh, change in terms of uh, attitude. Um, Sai Jury came out today and he said that uh, he felt that the team played selfishly last year and he, he wants to see a different approach um, to the way that they approach the game. Um, and, and I, I can't help, but agree. Uh, the NBA is a, it's, it's a funny league though. If you don't have the talent, uh, mm -hmm. it almost doesn't matter what your attitude is. And, uh, I think that's what we're gonna, that's what we're gonna find out about the Raptors, uh, in terms of whether they have the horses to, to compete. And, I think we probably got a little bit of a hint when when we heard that they were um, involved in the Damian Lillard sweepstakes. <laughs> so um, it'll be interesting to see how the Raptors approach this season. Of course, uh, a new a new coach, but um, no Fred VanVleet, but pretty much same old players. Uh, it'll be and Grady Dick, of course. That'll be a, that'll be an interesting name to deal with on a on a nightly basis for for play by play guys and and highlight. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Raptors come out um, this year. Tell me about Scotty Barnes. Um, and and as an observer, when when the draft happened and they picked him, there just seemed to be this swar swell of man, did they, they stole one there. Like, it's, you know, I know everybody else was talking about these guys, but Scotty Barnes is the guy. And then two years later, you know, you get the sense of, from some covering the team that he is what he is. He's not going to get any better. What What's your assessment of Scotty Barnes? Well, I, I kind of feel um, Scotty Barnes definitely surpassed expectations in his, in his rookie season and rookie and of the year, right? All the accolades. Yeah all the accolades that that he got but once once that once that was over um and he he was or is the darling of of the city like you couldn't go anywhere without seeing his face um but the results didn't uh they didn't improve uh last year and and that 
I think that has to do with uh, being a sophomore. It's a bit of a, a bit of a sophomore slump. I think it has to do with um, other opponents um, being able to to scout him and and work on his weaknesses. And I think it also has to do with a little bit of him probably stretching himself thin. Mm. Uh, when you when you think about all the different commercials that he that he's in and yes they you could say that they filmed those in a certain time and in a certain window but at the same time those distractions um probably turned out to be distractions and it will be interesting to see uh what scotty barnes brings to the the table um this year coming in has he improved his his uh jump shot um has he because he can be an outstanding defender and he is in most cases but it is he a, is he a smarter defender? Um, is he a smarter player? Uh, what are the what are the what does he have in his bag that he didn't have last year that will help him uh, and help the team uh, make it to the next level, whatever level that is? Right. Uh, uh, hopefully, the next level, I guess you would say, is beyond playing, above playing, top yeah. ten, yeah, uh, instead of top ten. Uh, so it'll be interesting to, to see how Scotty Barnes reacts. Cause you're right. The shine is off just a little bit, but you can't, uh, you can't ignore the raw talent that he has and he can continue to mold. You mentioned Masai Ujiri talking to the media today and talking about how last team, last year's team played selfish. How much, or does any of that land at the feet of Pasco Siakam? That's a tough one. I think, um, uh, I think, yeah, I think it lands at the feet, uh, a little bit, but that's, that's the way, that's the way the NBA is, is built because mm-hmm. max contracts, right. Yep. And have to make a certain status in order to get the, the, the max contract. So if you will look at it that way, Pascal Siakam was trying to prove that he is, he is a max player. Um, and it's not just trying to prove at the expense of the team, because let's face it, there wasn't a lot of other other guys that could do what P- uh, Pascal could do. So, of course, they're going to turn to him um, to to be the go to guy. And if that's the case, then he has to take full advantage. So I think it's he was kind of caught between a rock and a hard place only because of language. I don't think that there's two. Too much friction uh, between Pascal and the organization in that sense, but when you think about the other the other guys, Fred Van Vliet for one, he, he hasn't been able to stay healthy uh, for the last few years, and it's really has been on on Pascal. And maybe we we're just learning, even though he has to figure it out that he isn't a max player and that he isn't uh, a you know a number one, number one in the league. And when you look around the NBA, there's probably only about 10, maybe 15 true number one, number one superstars. And I don't true. think yeah. is really that guy, even though he had every right to try and be that guy because every team is allowed to have, and every team should have um, at least one superstar. One more basketball. Or three if you want to win a championship. Or three if you want to win a championship. Um, one more basketball question. I guess kind of adjacent to the Raptors. I mean, you know, we we had the surge here in the CBL this summer. And it was a lot of fun. To, I, I wish you were here because I think you really, really would have enjoyed it. And um, you, 
seems to me you saw the last incarnation of pro basketball in Calgary. This wasn't that. Um, but Canada goes to the FIBAs, ends up qualifying for Paris in the men's side. We know the women are, are good. Beat the States, win a bronze medal. Um, how how big can you quantify or, or give us a little sense of how big that sport is right now where you are? Um, it's huge. And it's 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 always it's always been big, and I I don't know. I think that Canada winning that bronze medal, beating the states, I don't even I don't I can't even say that it grew the game in Toronto because it has been huge in Toronto for a long, long time. And after the Raptors won the NBA Finals, I mean, you saw the parade, Robbie. You saw yep. the clips. I mean, yep. it was unbelievable. But I think what that did or what that is doing now is it's um it's solidifying it's putting the it's putting basketball canada or basketball as a canadian sport um on the map and it's letting the rest of the world know letting the rest of the world realize that mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Once we get our stuff together, we are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. I think it all started with um, with that three-year commitment that these guys made to play for Canada and practice with Canada in the summers with Nick Nurse um, a year and a half ago or two years ago now. Yeah. And just saw the fruits of that labor. And there were players that offered to play in the, in the FIBA World Cup. And they said no because these are the guys that committed mm. for this for this tournament. Now is that going to stay the way it is when they when they go to France, when they go to Paris? I personally don't believe it should because if you're there to win, you're going to have to add a couple of guys that didn't chose not to make that 3-year commitment. I Ala Andrew Wiggins, <laughs> I mean, right. are you going to leave him at home because he wasn't part of the full process? 
Um, but Murray was it, hurt, right? Murray's part of that, but Murray was hurt, right? Murray's no, Mar yeah, Murray was hurt, but Murray made it to the camp, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so it's Murray, a different story than Wiggins. He made that commitment, but yeah. he, he uh, for for the sake of his body, um, he was allowed. He was given that. You know, I wouldn't even say it was an out. Um, he was hurt or general soreness, which is <laughs> which is true. And it was legit. And you saw Nikola Jokic do the same uh, for, with his nation. He didn't he didn't play, but it's a long season and, and it's understandable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Murray made that commitment. He just couldn't completely fulfill it to the understanding of Canada basketball. So so, yeah, there's he's definitely in the camp that made the commitment and he is in um, for sure as long as he's healthy. But it's it's pretty special what's going on, especially with Jay Gilgis Alexander. Oh, uh, wow. Right. Wow. I know. I, I did not know he was he was such a good player. I know he proved it uh, last year in the season. And you and you just see clips and you're like, man, this kid is good, man. This guy is good. But then you see him. He did it again on the world stage. Yeah, it's he's going to be if he continues to progress, he's going to be given Rick Nash uh, a run for his money for the best all time Canadian. And of course, you have to continue to progress and. And that's uh, that's a decade down the line. These are the players, though, that Nash inspired, right? Yes. You know, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, and Nash, uh, a, a, fan, a friend of the uh, basketball program. I mean, um, not just inspired, but um, but help help coach, help mold, help fig, help basketball Canada figure out how. They're going to get these guys to commit, help them understand what it means to actually play in the Olympics. Um, I think all of that was a part of it. And uh, finally starting to see the fruits of the labor. Let's uh, let's switch gears. Uh, I was with some of our, our peers and contemporaries on the weekend who were out here for an event, uh, but from Toronto. And we were talking about the Jays. And one of them said at the time they hadn't clinched. Jesus, there's almost part of me that wishes they don't. Um, <laughs> just, really? just, yeah. From the standpoint that, you know, it almost gives that false sense of everything's okay. Right. Is everything okay? I mean, they play the Twins. I think it's a winnable series. But, man, the last couple of years, it, it the expectations and, and the results just aren't lining up. Yeah, yeah. Um... As long as they win, everything's okay, Robbie. I yeah. mean, <laughs> Absolutely. They lost two out of three against Tampa at home. Um, but it's like, hey, we clinched. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I don't think everything's okay. And it's tough to – it's tough to – it's not hard to figure out from the outside in. They need offense. They need their big guns to be big guns, uh, starting with Vladdy. You look at what the pitching uh, – the pitching – has done the pitching staff has done it's it's impressive it's outstanding i mean mm. did not they thought that they had a chance if you think about it this way robbie the jays thought that they had a chance coming into the season without expecting kikuchi to right. be is without fully expecting they did expect barrios to have some sort of a bounce back but barrios has been tremendous he does have a. He is prone to give up the long ball. Yes, mm -hmm. but then 
then Bassett and Gosman and even Ryu he comes back and he surpasses expectation. You can't ask for anything more from the starting from the starters. But how much more can you ask from the offense? You can ask for about 50% more. Yeah. Like it's just incredible yeah. how that so so is everything okay? No. Can they get hot offensively? Well, we've seen it happen before, but can they do it against good pitching? I don't think we've really seen that at all in this this year. I have not seen sustained success against good pitching and good teams by the Toronto Blue Jays offense at all this year. So is it a mirage? It looks like it. Can they prove us wrong? They certainly can. And they got the twins, uh, which is probably a more favorable matchup than it would have been if they had to go to the trap. So things are lining up for the Blue Jays. Yeah, but I would double down on what you just said because they got Garrett Cole twice in the last couple of weeks and were just run over. Yeah. You know, to your, to your point about good pitching, they, they you know, recently have struggled against very good pitching yes and that's and that's that was one of the lines that uh john schneider said after after yeah. Gable, um uh beat him up again and he's like oh it was good pitching but that's what the postseason is about mm -hmm. you're not gonna face bad pitching in the postseason at least you shouldn't face bad pitching and if you don't if your lineup can't figure out a way to scrap a few runs oh uh, you know uh, across home plate, I mean, it's going to be another good night, Eileen. And this is the one thing that um, that I've said this year, of course, looking back, that's one thing I miss, Robbie, being on the desk. I miss being right in the thick of things sometimes. I got to figure out a way to do that more often. But we, we need, we need you there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. we need you there. Looking so. from the outside, looking in, it's like, it's like this team lacks composure. They, well, that, and they I say, I, I say that, but you're the guy that would ask that. To, that like, I look at Shapiro and I, I, you know, I watch Alex Anthopoulos in Atlanta and, and I'm cherry picking here. Yeah. But it, it always felt to me like Shapiro came in and inherited Alex Anthopoulos's empire and really hasn't moved it forward. Has he? Um, no, not not really, not not really, and it's uh, that's a good point. And and in in many ways and respects, you see the 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 moves that that they have made mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, to be honest, and they make sense on paper, but for some reason the um, the chemistry the chemistry doesn't seem to be there. No. Yeah. Uh, um. One. I'm going to ask you Stamps question later, but I'll ask you an Argos question. Does anybody care? I, I hate asking it that way. I really do. But that's a good football club. Really good. Does really. anybody care? Um, a, a few people care. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. A few people care. A lot more. A lot more should care. Um, but uh, to be honest, uh, it's the the attendance at Argos games has been pretty good. Oh, okay. Uh, Argo, so so a few people definitely care what they what they're doing is 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 awesome um and it's funny how quickly you have high expectations 
of them. And I shouldn't say quickly because they did win the Grey Cup last year, but it was unexpected. And then you see how well they play. And watching the game against Winnipeg, they easily could have beat Winnipeg. Um, but their offense just didn't have it because um, because Kelly was on the sideline. Mm-hmm. But uh, but that's that's pretty awesome that uh, uh, that that they're playing as well as they are, and they look like a juggernaut, and they very well could be uh, yeah. their second second straight Grey Cup. Yeah, and and you know what, people in glass houses. I mean, you know, you're saying attendance is strong there. Attendance hasn't been great here. It hasn't been great in the West, actually. It's a little nerve wracking. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it. I'm sure it would be. I sure. I'm sure because the West is the is truthfully the backbone of the CFL. Yeah, uh, and it and it always has been from when I've started truly paying attention. Um, but uh, uh, to know that in the West in general. So that means we're talking about Ryder nation. We're talking about, we're talking about the Stampeders. We're talking about Edmonton. Edmonton has been not impressive looking on TV. It's like, okay, all right, let's, let's, let's clean this up in terms of giving them a product that is worth, is worth spending their, your hard earned dollars to see. Cause we know they're watching. Yep. We know they're watching on TV but we want bums in the seats. So, okay. So let me ask you one of my asinine out there concept questions that you probably miss dearly because you're not around me every day. Um, we know how old McMahon is, right? That McMahon stadium needs to be replaced. Would it be counterintuitive Would the CFL allow it? Would it be insane to build a smaller building and put a premium on seats? and make it a difficult ticket to get. The, the, if you said to somebody today, well, let's build a new building for the Stampeders, they'd start at 30,000, right? Or, or maybe 40,000 or whatever. I'm saying, would it benefit the CFL to downsize into 15,000 seat stadiums and sell every ticket and make it a premium ticket, make it difficult rather than have to, you know, discount and group and everything like that. Is there, can they, could you do that without appearing like you're waving the white flag? Mm, that's a, that's a great question. I would, I would say in today's world, um, that's, that's a great uh, concept because environment does mean, it almost means everything. Right. And if you could, if you could be in a, a full building, um, that's special, but business still makes the North American world go round. <laughs> Yes. Or the West world go around. So I, and in today's world, uh, Robbie, I know that there's a way in, in my heart. I know that there's a way for, for these amazing engineers and architects to build a building that you truly can, would have the option to add on to or, or expand without technology completely leaving it in the dust in 10 years. There has to be a way right. to satisfy both parties. So if you made a 20 or uh, 20,000 seat stadium um, and, in, and it's rocking for five straight years and you're like, we need to add another five to 10,000 seats, there has to be a way to do that without compromising the building or the experience. Um, if it's planned ahead. And I think that's possible. I do, I do think it's possible, but 
um, would anybody uh, go for that? That's the I, question. I, yeah, and, and it's based on you know working at at CSEC for a couple of years there, and and just paying attention to the rest of the sports world. That your sport is healthy when you have a thriving secondary ticket market. And I just don't think the CFL has a thriving secondary ticket market. I think there's too much inventory out there and available. And I think people care more, take more notice when it's harder to get there. Yeah. That, that, that's where it comes from. I, I don't think it would ever happen, but that's, that's why I asked the question. Um, I, I'll, we'll come back to the snaps here in a second when we come back to Calgary. But speaking of Calgary, um, You've been here. You know, it's so difficult for us to get any kind of information on the Leafs out here. So I was kind of hoping you might be able to shed some light on what's going on. Um, Brad Treliving, uh, you know him. You knew him. Uh, we like him. He's a good guy. Yeah. How is he received? How is he going to do in that market, do you think? Oh, I think he's already doing fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brad Treliving uh, and... <laughs> To steal a word, to steal a phrase from uh, from Biz Nasty from his Spit and Chicklets podcast or whatever. In tree we trust. Uh, <laughs> I am, I am, I am not surprised, but I am very impressed with the way Bradshaw Living has been able to calm um, calm the market down a little bit, mm. and, and he's been able to do it without breaking up the big four or the core four, I should say, which in my personal opinion has to happen <laughs> eventually. Yep. In my personal opinion, it has to happen. Um, and <laughs> I know you were being facetious with, with uh, <laughs> not getting much leaf uh, mm. content out there, <laughs> but uh, Matthews, Marner, um, Tavares, uh, you name it, those guys, one of those guys has to go, unfortunately. And of course, Nylander. And I, and I don't know when it's going to happen, but what Bradshaw Living has been able to do so far this summer is he's been able to calm the waters. He's been able to um, shift the focus, um, not on who of the core four has to go and why or when and how. Instead, he set out his his goals. He's quietly he's quietly um, put those check marks in the box. Right. With Austin Matthews, especially, is being first and foremost, and he's going about his business and he's keeping his he's keeping a low profile, which which is huge. And when he does speak to the media, um, as we know, very smart man, courteous, gives the time of day doesn't give too much information but just enough to keep keep the dogs at bay it's yep. amazing what he's been able to do uh so far still has a long way to go as the puck hasn't been dropped mm -hmm. but it, but i i got i have to give him credit for um for for calming the waters i can't think of a better way of saying it when you think about uh what the what the leafs were going through after getting the gentleman sweep by the panthers and <laughs> and the soap opera that happened with the in the management um, not far after that. What's I asked you about basketball? Tell me about hockey in the Greater Toronto area. I mean, it, it, you grew up, you played in that area. You you yeah. know it well. 
Um, is the sport healthy? Do, do people care in the same way that they used to care? Is it, is it, I, I suspect they're still the number one team and, and that's going to, you know, won't change overnight, but what, what's the, the feeling about hockey in general in Toronto these days from your point of view? Oh uh, yeah. It's hockey's thriving uh, for sure. It's unfortunately though, Robbie, like, um, and this is the general picture, mm-hmm. right? Um, as you know, we've been involved with minor hockey yep. our whole adult lives, basically. And and it's big business. <laughs> it is big business. It's the best way to put it. Um, and, and, and in so many different ways, that's a shame because, um, like, I love the name of your, your podcast, Just a Game. Uh, but it's not. <laughs> it's not it's, it, it, it's you're right it, it isn't, isn't. And, it's a business and yeah and you and and you know um the expense uh like i when we came to ontario um we definitely saw the differences in community hockey and and uh from calgary to, to ontario and i know it's a big business everywhere in calgary as well but uh but ontario it's just um it's just <laughs> did we not pay our bills again <laughs> i don't know uh, it's, this is what the second time in a week we've had somebody making a dramatic point and then drop Good. right off See you later. yeah <laughs> good night everybody uh we will have to... there he is oh uh, there hold we on. You were you were making this dramatic point, and I then know. all of a sudden you dropped off. Uh, it's all good, brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just amazing how how you know playing a double A, triple A, yeah. single A, how important it is to the parents and the money that has to be forked out for that, and it's all to be the next Mitch Marner. So hockey is big business out here. And, uh, and they, and everybody seems to kind of approach it and treat it that way in all aspects. And maybe I'm generalized too much, Mm -hmm. but I think, I think, um, uh, the, the, the truth is the fun in the game right now, in my opinion, Robbie, the fun in the game right now is, is now with guys my age, the beer leaguers (laughs) who, who don't, who don't who know there's no more scouts in yeah. the end. and you got to yeah. be careful which which uh which leagues you play in because there's certain people that think but um and I hope I want more fun to trickle down to the to the to the grassroots to yeah. the kids and that's um that's that's what that's I wish for the game uh because it because of the big business Robbie that's why there's so there are issues with the game that we've that 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 we've unfortunately had to deal with right. uh, in general because there's such a yearning to be better and better and better and bigger and be that the next one um some families get taken advantage of which is too bad want to bring you back to calgary for it just pick your brain um we've kind of talked a little around the cfl and and you know the argonauts but it is so strange so strange to see Edmonton and Calgary at four and 11 um, in, in this. And, you know, there's no right to having a great team every year. There's no, you know, inherent right to have to being a playoff team, but you know, uh, you and I both 
kind of have seen this cycle going from Federick and Fateri, you know, to the upside and now to come back on the other side, it's, it's been a very strange journey. It really has really has Robbie. And I have a, I have a theory. I have a theory that you can help me out with. And All I right. really, really do not like it. Um, and I, and this is probably my Western, uh, even though I'm, I'm an Ontario kid, this is my Western bias coming in as a Westerner. And a few years ago, a few years ago, they, um, the, the league applied the salary cap, um, to the, to management. Is that mm -hmm. fair to say? Yep. No, uh, they put us, they, they did. Yeah. To coaching. And I, I didn't really agree with it then. And now that I see what the Stampeders and the Edmonton S, excuse me, Edmonton Elks are, are going through, I really disagree with it. If you are willing, and this is my opinion, so you can, mm -hmm. you can set me straight. If you are willing to put your resources in a better product through coaching, and through management, you should not be limited to that. And now that now that we're seeing guys that have to take on two different roles, whether they want it or not, I don't yep. know if it's good for them. But yep. Dave Dickinson, all of a sudden, now he's the GM and the coach, and yep. and there's like they're just whittling down the staff. And these guys got all like three different hats. And I think we're seeing the product on the field. That's my opinion. I know there's cycles, but I think that's why we're seeing the product we're seeing right now in terms of success on the field. And I don't like it. Yeah. It, good, good on you because initially I'm like, nah, because I've heard that before and I'm like, I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. But now I've seen it through and, and it's not because the Stampeders are struggling. I think part of it's what we saw up in Edmonton. The fact that, you know, they couldn't get rid of Chris Jones because of it. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I'm not hundred percent sure that Chris Jones isn't the reason that these rules were put in place in the first place because of the amount of bouncing around and, and right. screwing around that they did. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I, I always remember our friend Bruce Dobigan, uh, that when we went through the lockout in 0405 and everything was about getting a salary cap and a salary cap and, you know, at that time, it was the Rangers in Colorado and Toronto. Yeah. These were Detroit. They Detroit. had the money, right? And Bruce always said, well, if they can't spend it more than more on players than other teams, they'll spend it on brain power and they'll expand these these hockey operations departments. He was exactly right. Because yep. you look at how big they were 20 years ago and how big they are now. Part of that's analytics, but part of that is they'll spend money on a hockey operations president and they'll insulate with AGMs and stuff like that. The, the, the CFL's kind of gone the other way. Right. And, and I think you're, you know, in hockey, you want more goals, create more mistakes in football. I, I don't think creating more mistakes is the right way to go. I really no. don't. <laughs> I totally agree with you, especially in football where there are so many details and yeah. coaching matters. Coaching matters. Time on the field matters. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And we're seeing the Argos. Let, let's put it this way. And, uh, like, of course, this is the Stampeder fan coming in me again. But we are seeing the Stampeders East yes. with the Argos. Yes. We are yes. seeing the Stampeders East. And, yes, coaches have to move on. Coaches have to, 
you know, find bigger roles elsewhere. Yeah. But not all of them. <laughs> not all of them. And it really feels like the Stampeders coaches, <laughs> they got to go, you know. And it's it's it doesn't always have to be that way, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. A um, couple more for you, and we'll come to the hockey club. And it, really, the genesis of this call was, you know, last week, Michael Backlund became the 21st captain of this club. And I went back and I grabbed some audio from his first game. And, and there you were doing what you did best, which was get in there and ask the right questions at the right time. And um, your thoughts on, on, on backs as the cap captain. I mean, the kid we saw drafted in, in back in what, 2007 and in, in Columbus, yeah. right. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy for him. I'm really happy for him. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Really happy uh, for Michael Backlund. That's a, that's a, that's a young man that we literally saw grow up mature as a player as as well as a a man and now a, a husband um and a father um uh and he's seen it all like in terms of when i say he's seen it all he's played for a number of different coaches and and, and not all of them the same uh, <laughs> couple right? of them <laughs> a couple of them were the same but yeah no i know what you're saying it's a different one every year really exactly and yeah. and that kind of experience um and and correct me if i'm wrong, wrong robbie but we really had and when i say we i mean the organization and flames fans like they have high hopes expectations of this becoming um a big time offensive contributor didn't necessarily happen that way but man, did Michael Backlund ever transform his game to what um, what was best for him as well as the team? And uh, um, he wasn't a just a one he wasn't a one one trick pony. He couldn't nope. afford to be. No. Nope. And um, because he is such a good skater, and because he has the smarts that he that he does, um, he is he is adjusted, and he has been an asset to a team literally for 14 15 seasons yeah and, uh that is a that is a testament um to michael backland and great on the club for making him um the next captain you, you know it's interesting um i think i don't know if it was the offense so much as remember that period he's going to be jerome centerman right and right. I, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget they, they suffered an injury up the middle and I think Lanco got hurt or whatever. And then, you know, but back when the rookie was going to go in between Tangay and the Gindler or whatever it was, and we all gathered around back when he little, you know, he, he, his eyes were a million miles wide. Right. Um, and, and I just felt that was unfair. And then he comes out of his second contract and there's people you know, who've been singing his praises here the last couple of weeks, we're writing stories about they got to get rid of him. Yeah. But when it was all said and done, if you go back to 2007, he is exactly what he projected to be a second line center who can play a 200 foot responsible game and give you leadership. That's what they said about him. Then that's what he became. It was unfair because I think we are always looking you know, prior to Goudreau, we were always looking for that next prospect. The Flames never had prospects. They drafted Matt Pellick and what the hell, yeah. and, you know, <laughs> Mitch Wall and all of these guys that, you know, Chris Chucko and God bless. But <laughs> right. Yeah. But but I just, you know, Backlund always like he's got to work. We need one to work. Right. Yeah. 
and and he and he definitely worked and and that's the one thing i would say um you're right like um second line center um leadership and you know what he would be you know what would be on a on a true contending championship caliber team he would be the perfect third line center yes yes um yeah. but uh um i don't know if that that'll ever happen in uh in, in calgary but um uh, but man yeah he is he has truly built himself an outstanding career and another one little thing about michael backland i remember um and i don't know what exact year it was i don't know what exact game it was but i'm pretty sure it was andrew alberts and that's another thing that he learned about himself so it was he got himself a little a little uh, hot under the collar against vancouver um it was a home game and he and he was so mad he literally dropped the gloves and i think it was andrew alberts he dropped the gloves with and then he dislocated his shoulder within like literally three seconds yep and it was yep. like and when you when i when I, I remember seeing him do it and i was thinking oh no and then and then the oh no happened but that's just that was just it was almost like that had to happen for michael to be like yeah this isn't me and it's not going to be me again right like <laughs> sometimes yep. you have to learn the hard way and um and i admire him for it though, sure. because because um, he had he sometimes you got to learn things about yourself and michael backland to your credit man like you've you've yeah you've done it you're you're a great player a great player and a great asset to flames organization what do you what do you miss the most about calgary um what do i miss the most about calgary i, w I would say I would say the the people, right? Like, mm. um, uh, I miss I miss I miss you. I miss Ryan Barty, my camera guy. I miss Ryan Leslie because um, he's hilarious. Uh, Aaron Vickers, all the guys, um, the Flames organization, uh, great to deal with. Peter Hanlon, uh, that's what I miss most. Like, like um, I'll tell you the truth when you said. Um, snow's probably coming soon. I don't miss that. I don't miss. <laughs> I'm surprised there wasn't two dumps in September because every year there was a there was at least two major dumps in September to ruin my sunflowers. I miss my sunflowers in Calgary too because they got up over eight feet, but never matured quite quite enough to get the actual sunflower the sun seeds. But um, but yeah, I don't miss that. It's 25 degrees out here right now today <laughs> in Ontario, and it's beautiful. But if I were to say what I miss most about um, Calgary, it is the people and the community within, within not just my my area of the city, but within work parameters, um, uh, church. It was. Yeah. It's everybody who asked me like, how was it out there? Um, I always say that Calgary treated us so well, so well, and it is home, but it's not exactly home when your family in terms of like my parents, my siblings, they're all here. So that's why I'm so happy to be back in Ontario. But if they were in Calgary, I'd be there in a heartbeat. Well, Cal, I miss you. Uh, I think Calgary misses you, but I'm so happy for you. And it's all, it's, it's somewhat reassuring to flip on and, 
there you are doing sports center and, and, and that's the guy we know and that's the guy we love. And so I, I, I do, I like the fact that we can keep track of you. It's better if we can keep track of you and we can keep track of you. So uh, continued success, my friend, Uh, continued success to your family. Um, Miss you down. Like I say, miss you every day down here, always thinking about you, uh, but proud of you kid. And uh, hopefully we'll get you back on the podcast at some point. Anytime, Robbie, anytime. Appreciate it. Thanks brother. There you go. The great Jermaine Franklin from TSN, kind enough to join us today. Brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. 76 years in Calgary. Uh, by the way, hockey players, check out the snow skating. If you haven't, there's some wild videos on YouTube that you can see what it's all about. It is another um, ad- adaptation to using a hill that faces down uh, with ice and snow. It's pretty cool. Uh, Snowboards, uh, skis, bindings, everything you need, the clothing that goes with it, the information that you need, it's all available. Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. Always great to catch up with Jermaine. Uh, Always great to check in with Jack. Jack, any questions today? Any comments today we want to get to? A couple questions, some NBA ones. Okay. what do you think this the Lillard trade does uh, in the Eastern Conference? Does it make the Bucks the favorite here? I think it makes the Bucks the favorite. I mean, Giannis hasn't gone anywhere. Um, you know, Damian Lillard comes in, who is supposed to go to Miami. I know we mentioned Toronto in there, uh, but Miami was counting on having him. I think that it's one of those moves that automatically Milwaukee isn't going anywhere. Uh, they've already got that championship pedigree. Um, but to me, uh, assuming he he steps in and and is the type of player that everybody expects him to be, that he uh, you know can play alongside Giannis. Giannis wants him there. Ask for him. Uh, if memory serves me correctly, did he not draft him at the NBA All Star game? Yes, he did. So yeah, he's so, a big Lillard guy. Yeah, he's a big Lillard guy. So they got him for a reason. So yeah, you know. Boston, whoever, they're still going to be there, you know. Uh, but to me, yeah, Milwaukee jumps back up to the top of that list. I think Boston made a, a really good move on Sunday, though, getting Drew Holiday. Yeah. That's he's a great they're, they're not going anywhere either. No. Right. So that's your power. That's your power couple in the East. How about that? There you go. Yeah. Any chance you can get Daryl Sutter on the show? Any chance? Uh, there's always a chance. Uh, from what I gather, Daryl is, is going to stay low for a while. Um, so I'm not surprised. Um, do, would he, yeah, I mean, in the new year, something like that, it, it, it all depends on when Daryl wants to resurface and when Daryl wants to, uh, you know, talk or, or whatever, but, uh, would absolutely love to have him. Um, you know, we'll bump into him a couple of times over the winter, so we can certainly ask him. Do you think the Sharon Govich on the first line experiment is already over? Do I, um, no, uh, but it's an experiment. Uh, I, I think the kid can fly. Like he can absolutely fly. I think he's going to help you as a penalty killer. Uh, I, I still need to be convinced that he's going to be a, um, a premier offensive thinker had what 20 goals, 40 points in the league. You don't do that by accident, but you know, Huberto and Lidstrom. uh, uh, Yeah. um, Both have what, what you would call 
Um, excellent, excellent hockey IQ. Mangiapane, I believe, is up there today. Yeah. Mangiapane, a healthy Mangiapane, was certainly on his way to that. I will say this at the risk of me having people text you with, but the Bengals, Rob, the Bengals. Um, I'm still wondering if Coronado and that world-class release doesn't at some point find its home there. It would have been nice to give uh, Phillips a chance in that spot. What are you talking? Oh, right. That's right. That's right. Those are just tuning in now because, you know, you, you never listen. Podcasting is a lot like radio. I guess you start at the beginning. So you've already heard this. It's not like you're getting out of your car and turning this on. But Matt Phillips playing with Backstrom and uh, Ovechkin tonight in Washington on the first line. So, Do you think the CFL is the same league as it is now in 10 years? No. What do they change? Is it a league? It's a league. Um, I, I think it's going to have to shrink its expectations. You heard Jermaine talk about it. It's still strong television-wise. It still remains a fairly strong television property, although um, I, I would defer to people in the business. I, I, I can't help but think it wouldn't hurt the CFL to split its broadcast rights to two different companies so that there's a little bit of competition. That somehow seems to indicate that I'm suggesting TSN's lazy. I, I, I don't know where this league would be without TSN's commitment to the CFL. What worries me the most is what we're seeing in the West with the evaporation of, of ticket holders. We talked about future fan development. The CFL talks about future fan development. I, I think they try as they might, and I, I think camps and mentorship is one thing, and that's important, but how do you... Uh, they need to do something that captures the imagination of, of people who aren't there. You and I had this conversation about fantasy. Right. They just, you know, the NFL, I think the NFL was in trouble. I mean, they, they, there was, as I mentioned, stories in the New York Times about how it, if you try to invent football today, it'd be illegal because of the concussions. And I think wagering and fantasy have all taken that away and it's untouchable now. And the CFLs had no answer for that. It does not have the star power. Um, you know, I, I, I wonder right now, to use that 10-year analogy, what players in this league are we going to talk about 10 years from now that, man, remember those guys in 2023? Because I go back to Copeland and Burris and Lewis and, you know, and uh, Raymond and Chevrier, and there just seemed to be all of these guys 20 years ago that rolled off the end of your tongue and, and you knew them. They were in the community. I just... And it's not a criticism of these guys. I don't know if they get the same opportunities that those guys. And certainly there isn't the media available to them that there was, you know, 25 years ago that they, they were great for, you know, filling spots and sports casts on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And they were great for coming in and spending an hour on the radio and talking to fans. It's fantastic. But those opportunities aren't there for them anymore. So 10 years from now, I still expect there will be a CFL but I think it's going to be compact. I think it's going to be smaller than it is now. And I think that's going to be showing the form of attendance. And that's why I, I keep coming back to this. I know it's insane and I know it's asinine, but I can't help but think the future of this league is, is maybe to, to make smaller venues and make, make the tickets more difficult to get. Last question here. Yeah. 
if this flame season is once again a complete disaster, yep. where do they go from here? Well, say they sign Lindholm. Say they sign Lindholm and it's a complete disaster. They miss by 20 points, miss by 10 points, whatever they miss. Um, I think that clip we played earlier with Frank, that was what he was kind of alluding to. Well, they don't have to bring Tana back and, you know, they're not going to pay to Foley. So if you go back to the seven that we started the summer with, to no longer here. Backlund's got a contract. Lindholm might have a contract. Hannafin could walk. Tanev could walk. Uh, is it Mangiapane and Dubé? Uh, Mangiapane has another year after this okay. year. Dubé, I believe, is an RFA, and Shillington That's is what another it was, year. Shillington. Um, again, you will continue to find ways of getting the young players in. Um, you will likely have to sacrifice a draft pick to move a contract. But the age of insanity will return because there's about to be $10 million infused into every single team's uh, budget here in the next two years. And when money is available, people do strange things. And the beauty about hockey is everybody thinks that while he may not work for you, he'll work for me. So if it all goes south, I, I you know, I think I think you can walk away from some stuff. Um, I think you continue to bring your young, young guys up, but I think this is referencing the conversation we were having about rebuilds and stuff like that. Um, again, I'm not against a rebuild if it's planned. I just don't think rebuilds are the uh, Messiah is the wrong word, the panacea that everybody thinks they are. I, I just think rebuild has become too easy to say and too difficult to execute. Um, you know, uh, Chicago lucks out because they end up winning the, the, the lot they could have very easily lost that lottery and wouldn't have got Berard. And then how does their rebuild look? Edmonton, the, the brilliant part of Edmonton is the the taking of dry settle, not McDavid. They, you know, anybody would have done that, but they they made sure that they didn't miss on dry settle. But they missed on, uh, uh, you know, they, the other first round picks that aren't playing for them or first overall picks and stuff like that. Uh, you know, uh, it's it is it's to me it's 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 how long has Edmonton been rebuilding? I got into a pissing match with the guys up in Edmonton back in 2007 when I said they were rebuilding. You know, when they had Gagne and Cogliano. They missed by a ton. They played spoiler down the stretch, but they missed by a ton. Um, and since then, have wandered the desert. And it's only recently that they got a generational player, maybe two generational players. And let's be perfectly honest, you, you take those two guys out of the lineup and add two average bodies into the lineup that team's hit and miss to make the playoffs. It's not a really well put together team. Um, LA, LA's had multi rebuilds. San Jose's going through a rebuild. Nashville's going through a rebuild. Um, everybody's rebuilding. There's only so many generational players to go around, right? Another question, actually. Sure. Um, are you still confident in Dustin Wolf after what you've seen in the preseason yeah. here? Yeah, I know he had one I, bad game. He had one bad. He had one bad game. Um, yeah, I, I am confident that you don't need to carry three goalies. I am confident that you should probably just keep him in the American League and play the hell out of him, um, and then give him opportunities. I am confident that they are going to move Dan Vladar uh, when he has value, and I think he's going to have some value here. Um, but yes, I do believe that that Dustin Wolf can play in the NHL. I remain confident that he can play in the NHL. Um, 
but there's a difference between playing in the NHL and being a bona fide number one superstar Carey Price like goalie. Uh, I'm confident he can play in the NHL. I was confident that Johnny Gaudreau could play in the NHL. I wasn't confident that he'd be an all-star. I wasn't confident that he would be a team's leading leading scorer. That I wasn't called. I, I, I knew he could play. But, and the same thing with Dustin Wolf. The only thing that I think gives him a bit of advantage, does this make any sense? I think it's easier to play goal in the NHL than the AHL. Because I think in the AHL, I don't think half those half the time those guys know where the puck's going, and I don't think half the time they're making decisions properly. I think you can. I think the decision making makes it easier in the NHL to understand what the shooters are going to do. The shooters are better, and and you might just not be able to plain stop the puck, but I, I don't think as many weird, crazy things happen on rushes that happen in the lower leagues. If that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes sense. But just so you know, that's getting clipped and you saying that it's easier to play goalie. Yes, absolutely. The- Rob Kerr said today, it's easier <laughs> to play goal in the NHL than the AHL. Any idiot, can, you want me to really play that? Any idiot can do it. All you need is pads and a stick. Yeah. No, I know. I know. But I but no, I agree. It was a skill player thing too, though. Like when we had Sven Berchi on, uh, it was Troy Ward that really, the, the former Abbotsford, heat coach that really brought that to my attention he said down here he said for skilled players and goalies it's hard because they a lot of these guys don't do what they should really do right they do the opposite of that when you get to the nhl everybody does they're so well coached and there's you know they do what they're supposed to do now whether you can stop it or not it's a different thing but you're not going to you know it's not going to be a three-on-one and all of a sudden the guy's going to drop it to the defenseman back at his own blue line or anything like that right wackiness (laughs) that'll do it for all right thanks jack appreciate it thanks to everybody for uh the questions uh and finally um it was a tough weekend we've uh we already recognized that uh you know uh chris snow passed on on saturday night um, yesterday we found out, uh, about two other very, uh, significant and influential people in sport moving on, uh, in baseball, uh, the Boston Red Sox and, and baseball said goodbye to Tim Wakefield. Um, Tim was a, well, one of the last of the great knuckleball pitchers. Um, he was amazing to watch in those really good Red Sox teams from, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Um, you know, was around the league for a long time, was a broadcaster, was fairly young, uh, passed away of brain cancer. But to me, it was, it, it, it's one of the charms of baseball, a really good knuckleballer. Um, and this is probably not the right analogy, but when the Marlins came into Major League Baseball, they had Charlie Huff. And I'm not 100% sure, but I believe Charlie Huff pitched with the jacket on. And he was older than the manager, but Charlie Huff could throw a knuckleball. And it was the great equalizer. It was the great, I, I, I don't know what you would equate a knuckleball pitcher to in football or in hockey or, or whatever, but um, it was fun. It, it was quirky. It was what made baseball special. And, and Tim Wakefield was as good as anybody at it. And he was a winner. Uh, so we said goodbye to Tim Wakefield and, you know, kind of a through line today has been a talk about the CFL and, uh, the writers said goodbye to George Reed. Um, and 
for my generation, although George predates my generation, we grew up learning about Ronnie Lancaster and George Reed and, and the others that built this league. And having worked in Saskatchewan, just even briefly, I, I did a little bit of work um, for the radio station around the riders and, and George Reed was, he was it. He was, you know, again, between him and Lancaster, they were the history. They were the, the, the torch bearers. They, they meant so much. And it, it pains me that I'm not sure that we're ever going to have players that mean that much. John Cornish should be that player in a way for the, the, the Calgary Stampeders, but he didn't have a long, long career. But man, when jo- when John played, he was special. George Reed is that guy for this league, but he is that guy for the organization. So we say goodbye to George Reed. And, and you know, I feel bad because here we are ending the show on, on these things. And, you know, you want to be positive and, and you want to, and you want to, you know, leave everybody wanting more. I, I will say this. Um, the legacy of both of those guys was winning and and making fans fall in love with them. And we still have those people today. We still have players that that want to win, that do win, that, that make people fall in love with them. And um, that's where sports is at its best, when it takes you away from the everyday um, – you know, challenges that we all face and can give us that diversion. And, you know, I, I applaud things that we showed earlier with the, you know, the NFL and showing the the Toy Story games. And, you know, I applaud the, 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 the Jays. Sure. Go ahead. You know what? Have some, pop some champagne. You're in, have some joy with it. Um, there's lots of fun to be had out there. Uh, excited we're back three days a week uh that continues this friday i'm going to be out of town still doing the show from an undisclosed location but on wednesday uh the legend bonesaw peter marr will join us friday eric dehatchik from the athletic uh for jack our outstanding producer for our great 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 guest uh jermaine franklin and for our our sponsors like oodle noodle local loved and delicious third store coming to calgary here right away and of course uh, ski seller snowboard have a great day everybody we'll talk to you in a couple of days